0: Okay, friends, today, oh my gosh, I'm like giddy with excitement over this interview. I am sitting down and chatting it up about systems and running a business and operations and all the behind the scenes, behind the curtain stuff with my friend, Natalie Gingrich. Now, she is also an ops expert. So she and I are very much in sync and alignment. We do differ in a lot of ways and I think you'll probably hear that in this interview. But really what we wanna share today is even though we are systems and operations and business management experts, where do we sometimes fall short? And I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to hearing what Natalie has to say about that. And I'm also looking forward to sharing a little bit about where I kind of get stuck in my own head and stuck in my own brain clutter from time to time. So let me give you kind of a short bio about Natalie She's an ops authority. I mean, this gal has like literally written the book and has a program, has a certification program called Director of Ops. I think that's what it's called. She's going to tell us more about it. And now she has a new podcast out called The Ops Authority, which I've been listening to. I love it. Oh my God. I'm, I've got so much to learn. You know, the more I learn, the more I feel like I've got to learn. So in any case, I'm just going to say, hello, Miss Natalie, please tell us more about you and what you do and,
1: and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. I've been looking at my calendar, like, when is the interview? When is the interview? Just since the time you put this out. So thank you so much for having me. And I will tell you, I've got a lot of learning to do too, but it is so fun to share it because I feel like this was just a a space in the internet that wasn't really being shared. And it's so, so important. So... To your original question, hello, friends. I am Natalie, and I have been an entrepreneur for the last four years. Before that, I worked in corporate at a Fortune 150 company and Worked in the realms of human resources, project management, and leadership. So I have done a bunch of, of training and self development there, but also just have some really great hands on experience. When I left the corporate space and ventured into, I call it an adventure because it was definitely not just a venture. <laughs> <laughs> I quickly started to see that those skills and training that I had benefited from all those years in corporate were so needed in the online space. And even I I will even go so far as to say the small business space, because I really don't care if you're an online or brick and mortar or a local business at the end of the day. There's so many processes, systems, really a lot of HR work that is being missed because this space that we're in today moves so, so quickly. So I've taken all that operations knowledge. And at first, when I first got into this adventure on my own, I was really training other people who were in the midst of scaling their business or had desires and dreams to scale their businesses. And I still do that. And at the same time, I ran out of capacity to support people on a one-to-one basis and Because I had all this training and experience, I bottled it all up into the Director of Operations certification, and now I'm so excited to have almost 40 gals who have gone through the program and are doing this and building businesses for themselves. Okay, I have a ton of questions, and the first one is, when you
0: say small business, because SMB means so many things to so many people. Like I know that some people feel, or some corporations feel like up to 10 million is, is a small business. And some people feel like, well, it's just me and my VA and I got a small business. So do you have any boundaries or guidelines around what you mean when
1: you say small business? When I consider small business, I mean so there's I don't know if you guys are following this, but there's like nano businesses and micro businesses and small businesses. And what you're referring to and what I think you and I work with a lot are really these micro and nano businesses. So that is the bulk of where I am seeing the needs come in. But I will say more in the full time capacity, I will deal and I have dealt with with small businesses under 30 employees. So they're definitely super small as compared, like if you're looking at small business administration and kind of the the data that they put out. These are super small businesses.
0: Yeah. I haven't looked at the research or the terms on like size based on like nano or micro, you know, it's like, I can't even figure out like what's an SD card versus a micro SD card versus a mini (laughs) SD card. So now we're getting into some interesting things. And of course, I'm going to go research that and try to figure out a little bit more about where we can find some research on where those trends and what those kind of sizes of businesses how they're aligning or if there's, any, if there's any kind of generalizations that people are using or if they're making up their own. So I'll make sure that if I do find some information, some research like Wikipedia, <laughs> basic random knowledge on the nano, the micro, the small, that I, that I link it down below in the show notes. So moving on, the next question that I wanted to ask you is why do you think that only women are coming to your director of ops
1: program. So that's specifically who I'm working with. I know that after supporting a huge executive administration group in corporate, I only had two men and there was about 150 of us in this corporation. And so honestly, I've just always attracted females. And I think, you know, people are going to follow the people that are like them. And I am a wife and a mom in mid forties. And so that tends to be the people that are coming to me. Um, I also get some of those folks, I was just telling someone this morning that I'm getting some of those gals that I am playing more of a maternal role too. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know what? I love that though, because I do feel like
0: it's our responsibility. And I say our, I mean like us, 40 plus that have that have been around the block, that this isn't our first rodeo. I mean, I've been in business for, you know, 25 years, right? it's our responsibility to help them come up. Right. And if we're not doing that, even from, you know, whether it's a free session here or there, or they're in a program like your program, or I'm even helping mentor them through building their business or build their team. I think it's our responsibility to help them, you know, and, and take it farther than even, than we're going to be able to take it in our lifetime. Right.
1: Right. I think it's, it's a great legacy to pass down and it comes, it comes very natural to me and to you. So I don't know why we would ever sit on it and not share it. For sure. So we're ops people, but also
0: we're CEOs, right? Tell me how that's different for you,
1: how that works for you and where you sometimes get hung up. So I, as an ops person, I came into business. So when I entered this entrepreneurial space, which I can hardly call it that, Wendy. I'll I'll explain that a little bit more, too. But when I came into this space, I was really leveraging all of my operational skills. And so that allowed me to become a business owner, to be able to start transacting cash for my services. And so that's why, like, the true sense of entrepreneur is very rarely found in an operations person. Operations people deliver high-quality services, that's what they do. And so a lot of the people that are coming to me are business owners. A lot of them, ironically, are introverts. A lot of them have, if you follow the Colby, most of them are slow starts. They're not quick starts. So I'm starting to see, just with gathering this this data that's coming to me, the patterns of who these people are and what they're like. I'm a little bit different than that person. And I don't know, you know, of course, I am who I am, and the experiences have helped to form me into this into who I am today and what I'm able to do. But some of the differentiation, which is very broad, is the ability for me to communicate, and that comes from that extroversion. And so that's a responsibility I feel is to take this discipline of operations and really shine a light on it because other i know other people need it. I know that there's not a shortage of work for these gals. I just know that they're going to have a harder time communicating and relationships, all the training in human resources, all of that background that is so innate in me. I'm leveraging today. And so without all of that experience, I don't think I would have stepped into that CEO role where I could have the space, the time, the planning, the skills to really cast a vision for a bigger vision for what I want for the ops authority. So when I can't, I just, there has been a transition of um, growth as I have become very much more comfortable in this space. At the beginning, I would have never called myself an entrepreneur and I still kind of get this like, eh, like this unsettling feeling inside because an entrepreneur literally is somebody who can walk away from businesses. They're not selling, they're not setting up legacy style, heartfelt businesses. Those people oftentimes are setting up businesses with the intention to scale and sell And my business is just, that's not what I desire for myself. And so anyway, that's kind of a roundabout way of how the operator skills in me have served me to step into the CEO role. But at the end of the day, I will always be a service provider because I am now selling these services in training, in the form of training versus directly to B2B. That's so interesting because
0: when I first started my first business in 96, and I was doing, I was offering bookkeeping services to independent little business owners around Santa Barbara at the time where I lived. And the word entrepreneur wasn't a thing. Like you weren't an entrepreneur. Like I was self-employed. And that's how I thought of myself. You didn't call yourself an entrepreneur. You didn't, I don't even think you really called yourself a contractor or a virtual. There was no such thing as virtual back then. But really, we were just self-employed. And like you... I took my business management skills and I started making money on them and I realized that I loved it, right? Like it fed my fire. But nowadays I really feel like an entrepreneur. I think what sets us apart, you and me, from some other entrepreneurs is a lot of entrepreneurs I feel like have that kind of visionary, creative, almost woo woo in their head. I'm not talking about woo woo like, you know, crystals and spirits and all that. I'm talking woo woo like they're just very esoteric about what they're thinking about and they don't realize what it takes to run a business, right? And then they kind of get hung up and they're like, "Oh crap, where's my Natalie? Where's my Wendy when I need her?" right? So, I think we're luckier in a way because even though I don't think you'd consider yourself to be and maybe you would, a visionary CEO, which I think of you more as like a business-oriented COO, CEO, I think we do have that. Like, I don't. I, I think there is part of that. Like, you have to have that vision in order to take that leap. And I think that's so interesting that I identify a lot with that. I wouldn't call myself a, quote, a visionary creative, but I am a visionary, like, leader, mm-hmm. but more on the integrator business ops side. But you have it too, Natalie, like... Yeah. I think that you have a lot of creativity. I mean, like, look what you've done. Your, your logo is like this beautiful, awesome, stained glass looking butterfly thing, right? So there's a lot of like creative essence to what you're doing. Even being able to take what most people would perceive as like, ugh, right? Like the behind, even sometimes I think it's like, ugh, the behind the scenes, unsexy stuff. And you've made it. And this is our this is our responsibility to make it not so hard to simplify it, and then now to find those people like what you're doing that want to learn it through Director of Ops program. Now I know at the time of this recording, we're at the beginning of September. You just had a cohort start, right? How often do you run your Director
1: of Ops program? Is it quarterly or semi yearly? What what does that look like? So because I am really family first, and summertime, my kids are home. I mean we're you know, I've got school age kids, and so they're home over the summer. That has really dictated my launching schedule of have, and my delivery schedule, because I need to make sure that I can give, like, everything to this group. So I am now launching three times a year. When I was in test mode for the last 18 months, I've, I've run this now four times. This is the fifth time that I'll be running it. And we have, you know, I just continue to perfect and perfect. And this in 2020 will be the first time that we're, doing, we're offering this three different times.
0: Wow that is that is so great. I'm so excited to learn more. Now I do know that you have another program that I want you to also talk a little bit about but before we dive into that I want to ask you. So going back to the conversation about being the CEO of a coo based business. <laughs> this is confusing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what is what's the one thing or one area where you get hung up the most?
1: 100% marketing, 100%. It has been forever. I can see it. I can understand it. And of course, tactically, I get the implementation and all of that. But I think the biggest challenge in my business today is in the marketing space and really fighting a lot of what you hear and even the business models that I help people set up. I mean, if, if, it's, if their goal is to create a digitally based business, you're looking at really, new marketing from when I went to college. I mean, geez, we're, I mean, I'm kind of a dinosaur in the internet space. Like what we learned in college is not relevant. Absolutely not at all. And so when we were going to school studying business, we weren't talking about funnels. We weren't talking about the digital tools. We weren't even talking about systems and stuff. So I think that I've just kind of used that my gifts have taken me through education and experience. And now that I'm doing this on my own, I just don't think I ever paid super close attention to the marketing piece because I knew I was always so good in the delivery and the fulfillment and the HR spaces that I that's just where I've really invested myself and my time. And so as a business owner and as a CEO of this company, I have leveraged marketing help from the very beginning. I, I knew that I had what it takes from a, just my own personality, a a high connector, a relationship-based person, I can sell services. I don't have a problem selling, but the systems to create the marketing machine just don't come natural.
0: Interesting. How many people do you have helping you with marketing?
1: So I have four different people. I have two virtual assistants and my business manager who has been with me from the very beginning, actually I had a business before this and we started our friendship and then working together back then. So she's been together with me the entire time and I have um, a, a copywriter. Actually, I have several copywriters that are helping me out.
0: Okay. So you've really been able to hone, you've created a system for an area of your business that doesn't come natural to you so that you can simplify it for your own brain. And that system is like how your marketing gets rolled out, how you're doing everything from, I would imagine, producing your podcast to showing up on Facebook to any other types of advertising that you're doing.
1: Absolutely. All the way from content to production. 100% 100% of it is, I won't say it's all outsourced because as as a podcaster yourself, you know that you're the one who has to turn on the mic and hit record. But the systems for doing it, the content strategy that we all put together, I mean, there's three of us, three key people who come together to create everything from the annual plan to the content that's going to build up to a lot, you know, it's super strategic. <laughs> it wouldn't be me if it wasn't. Um, but we we three collectively have, have completely devised a system that is very light on me and very niche to them because they they are experts in what they are doing. And I'm an expert in this actual, in the knowledge in this space, but then they're using their expertise for the technical tools, for creating a beautiful podcast with great sound. I don't want to know all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> I, I don't want to create the content strategy. I know the content that's in my courses and that's in the two programs that I offer. And they know that just as well, but then they take their particular gift, skills, and craft and they guide me a lot of times. When I, I just asked somebody this morning, like, when should I open this? Like, if this is the program that I'm delivering, I was going to do like six weeks, and she was like, "Oh, she's like, no, honestly, that that's not going to work." And we have a really good. I mean, I, I love leadership and I love guiding people, but I am not a top down leader. I I love them because they're experts. Because I've I've leveraged, I've upskilled, I've up leveled what who I have around me they're able to tell me and and just guide me. I, and I'm totally open for it. I love that because, you know,
0: I know for myself personally, like you said that you're a connector, I'm a commander type personality, right? And so it takes me some energy sometimes that when I get into like the the mode of like, let's go, we are, you know, rowing the ship that I get a little bit like, can be overbearing that's just part of my natural personality but i love this idea and you just touched on it is everybody brings something to the table that is so equally important there one person can't row you just you know kind of go right. in circles right and so i love this idea of being able to leverage your team and bring on the experts and bring in the experts that need to be brought in because it's like, I think, you know, I always talk about the four biggest lies that CEOs are always telling themselves. And one of them is nobody can do this as good as me. And I always say, that's bullshit. Everybody can do this. Probably there's hundreds of people that can do this better than you. So find that person and then let them do it better than you. And I think that I, I know for me being that leader, being that COO kind of role that sometimes I, I want to kind of steamroll. And so it's always good for me even to take a step back and to say, namaste, you got this. This is your domain, so.
1: And you know what? We steamroll when we feel out of control. I've steamrolled in corporate more times than I can even t- would like to admit or that I'm proud of. But that's when I was surrounded by people that I didn't trust, that I didn't that didn't have the same work ethic. I couldn't vet them the same way I can today. And it's only because of experience. It's only because I've walked through that season where I had really shitty people around me who didn't really <laughs> care what what you know, they were just there to collect the check. And this economy that we're in today, which is digital or the gig economy, it is such a different space because we are really working with people, women, men, whoever, to in a way I think that we're inspired both sides to perform at our best so that we get, that we deliver the best service and we have long relationships that in turn are truly deeply affecting families. It's not superfluous money anymore. It's not what it used to be. I feel like we're just getting closer and closer to getting into the thing that you are gifted with and delivering that. And it will take time and and iterations, but who knew I would be teaching people how to be a COO or director of operations In small businesses back in the day,
0: even like four years ago, who knew that, right? Like that's the irony of it. And I, I have so much like, um, I'm so proud of you for filling this need. And I'm also, I feel so honored to be in part of a group of women like yourself and like all the director of offices that are coming out of your program and seeing what we're doing, because it is a different, it's so different what you're doing and it is giving people an opportunity to use their like innate god-given skills mm-hmm. in a way that they may not have been able to figure it out because they don't understand or they're not an extrovert or they're not that full on commander style person or even connector style that would be able to go out and do this on your own. And so I'm, I feel so proud of you. And also I feel so like honored to be in like your space and your trajectory. Now, tell me, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I think are really important and I love asking this question, but what really keeps you
1: up at night? Besides marketing?
0: Besides (laughs) your marketing, because obviously, and that keeps everybody up at night, but yeah, what's one thing that makes you feel, that keeps you up at night? It's maybe gives, causes you a little bit of stress or it kind of keeps your wheels kind of churning a little bit longer than you thought.
1: So this is something I've been working on a lot. So I don't know if you study the Enneagram, but I am definitely a one, I'm a perfectionist and I put a lot of pressure on myself to deliver, like if there's something above A plus, that's what I want. And I have just had to really, really work on that innately. Like that's my deepest root. Like that's who I come from. I can remember being that person all the way back as a child. And it's a vice. You know, I know that perfectionism, I know in my rational mind that perfectionism isn't going to happen. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an art. It's not, there's not a science to it. And so really developing myself and trusting myself that what I'm putting out, that what people need is exactly what I have but I, you know, I lay in bed. I I've re-recorded the director of operations certification three of the four times. And just this, yes. I just like roll my eyes at you. (laughs) Just this last time. Take 23. (laughs) But you know what, Wendy, I want to do it again. I'm like, I can't wait to get another set to rewrite the script even better, even tighter. You know, it's just, and I think that if I didn't surround myself with great people to be able to guide me and to just call me on it and say, "Okay, you're being a one right now, or you're really being a perfectionist." This just happened this weekend. I was with my mastermind in person, and I will tell you, they sat me down and they they gave it to me tough, like serious tough love. But they were like, "You know, people are coming to you because you're leading the way. They don't care about the quality of your video. They don't care if you have slides." And I think in this in this market of on of having so much information, consumable information, and following people that have much bigger budgets than me and you and all the other people around us, the production level just can't be the same. But in my mind, that perfectionism says, if it's not Amy Porterfield level, I can't do it, or I shouldn't be proud of it. And so that I would that's very deep and, and very uh, near to me, but that is probably my greatest vice is just perfectionism. And I know it seems like a generic answer, but it is, it is a real block. You know what? I really appreciate that you shared that
0: because I think perfectionism, you know, I talk a, a lot about like how, how people can scale their business or grow without burning out, freaking out or selling out, right? And perfectionism and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked a lot on different podcasts and things about managing entrepreneurial anxiety. And it's all kind of in that genre. Like perfectionism is... It can be a problem, right? And I and but knowing that that's one of your things, that's your thing, right? Like, my thing is anxiety. Like, it's hard for me sometimes to want to be to want to go to a place, right? Because my anxiety wants to stop me. Yours wants you to re record because you feel anxious about it or whatever it is. However, it's manifesting itself. And you know, I always like to tell people that are perfectionists, it's like your B minus is somebody else's A plus already. Okay, so let me just let me just like instill that in you that everybody that's like, it's like, here's like psychology hour for Natalie. Everybody already feels like your work in your presence is so like A plus. And you're probably like, oh, this is only a B minus, right? And I've seen people like Amy Porterfields and stuff like that struggle with that too. But really, I think like, you know, that saying done is better than perfect. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that's a little bit like, yeah, not quite, but a B is great. And that B looks like somebody else's A plus.
1: My D or my F is like an A minus. And so it can really create a lot of anxiety. I mean, that's really, this is all a manifestation of anxiety somewhere. Super Absolutely. Stupid, but, this is, you know, it's the pleaser in me, it's the helper in me, it's it's the image, it's the vanity. There's so many of these things that, that I mean, this is deep stuff, but this is what it really looks like behind the
0: scenes over here. It, it, it's true. And I think it's important to talk about it and to say it like it is, because a lot of people think that it's easy, that Natalie just whipped together this awesome program or that she hasn't been working her ass off or that an Amy Porterfield is like, just, you know, like everybody's been working hard, right? When you're spending your day in bed because you're bummed out or you're depressed, I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about the general entrepreneur. Everybody has been there, right? I have those days where I want to just like give up. And then my husband's like, no. (laughs) You're not giving up yet, sister. Like You've come too far. But I think a lot of it is everybody has something and it's important to have that conversation around perfectionism or anxiety or just being flat out feeling that overwhelm. And if you suffer from perfectionism, I would also bet that sometimes that manifests into like feeling overwhelmed because then you know you've got all this stuff to do and you want to re-record and you want to, you know, and it just, it gets to be too much for people. I think we've put undue pressure on ourselves when really B minus or what you might perceive as a B minus really is somebody else's like blown away, A plus, best thing ever, right? So.
1: I don't know if we were really expecting the interview to go here, but I just want to say that, what my group really, by me being honest with them and letting them know, like, I guess to make this into a step-by-step, which is what how my brain usually works. Like, I think, first of all, we have to understand what our vice is. Then we have to get comfortable enough and, and, and almost proud enough of that so that you can share it with your inner circle. So I've got two different masterminds. My spouse is extremely supportive, but in a different way, these two groups, I want to be able to say, like, this is my issue. And anytime you see me doing this, I need you because Wendy doesn't know me well enough to say, hey, Nat, you're being a real because I'm not telling Wendy, hey, I'm up at night, like wondering how I'm going to get the script written in time to record it, to get slides made, to do all of these things. So by me letting them know, hey, this is what it is, they're able to call me on it. I'm able to receive it because it's honest. It's hard to hear, but it's honest. Mm -hmm. And then what we did in this exact weekend was if you have to create something, what's like your MVP, what's your, what's literally the most minimal viable product that you can put out that's going to, you've already wowed these people, but what do you think? So, what we came back with was these people are all high fact finders. They love details, templates. I mean, if you've got a template, I guarantee you they have downloaded it. I've been thinking like workbook, not workbook. And guess what? Like, I know a workbook is exactly what they want. They don't care how I look on camera, they don't even care if I'm on camera. They want, something in their hands. They want to be able to take notes. They, I know this person. I am that person. So that was really just a holistic look at knowing the vice and then how it manifests itself. I could literally be paralyzed right now to the point where I would cancel this interview. And I've been there like, this is straight up real talk, but where I would shut down for the entire week, I would crank all of this out. I would not be a wife. I would not be a mom. I would literally be at this desk and I could get it done because I have hustle in me. I want to say
0: something about that. And this is the perfect example, what you just said of using what what you've probably always thought of or wanted to hide as what is what looks like or maybe feels like to you is your biggest weakness. Using that vulnerability as your biggest strength. And that is so powerful. And that's what I think is so important about what you're saying right now is because I could have never done this this time last year, because I let my anxiety stop yep. me every single step of the way. Oh my God, what if I have an anxiety attack? Oh my God, what if this happened? What if that happens? I mean, like stupid, stupid shit. Yep. Really, when we step out from behind the wall that we've created because of our vice or because of our what we perceive as our biggest weakness, our biggest vulnerability, and say... <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm a perfectionist and I'm working on it, but look at what I've created and I still work on it. Yeah, I have anxiety, but look at how I've allowed that now to make me more compassionate. Yeah. which is something that I've struggled with in the past, like then we're really,
1: really awesome entrepreneurs. Right. And that's growth, right? And and yes. Wendy, I couldn't have been this person in corporate one day. I could not be vulnerable. No. I could not share any of this. But what I would do, and, and the reason it hurts, the reason corporate, I feel like these corporate positions hurt so many people, but specifically women, we are really made to be natural nurturers. And so we come home and we want to nurture our home, our garden, our husbands, our our kids, our our dogs, and all the things. But because of that piece of just realizing that you're a perfectionist, in corporate, I would X out all those things to be able to show up in that best and highest form to them at the cost and at the expense of hurting everything that really matters to me, everything that truly has a legacy. It's because they want you to show up in their form and not in your form. And that's why I love where we are both at today. <laughs>
0: Amen. Power yes. to the people. Okay, let's, let's wrap this up. I got a couple more questions that I'm dying to ask you. What is your favorite business tool right now?
1: Dubsato, for sure. I really? hate yeah, I, I love I do. I do. No, I love it. I will have to say I've never had to set it up myself. I just tell somebody what I want and how I want it to function, mm-hmm. but I love that somebody can contact me and um, I've got I mean it's my CRM, so it's I'm able to really understand who's coming in. I would say second to, to that is definitely ConvertKit. I'm a big fan of of the software. I've been with them since the very beginning and I feel like it's robust enough for me. Like I'm not building an empire. I want to build a lifestyle business, so I don't need 10 million If you guys want to bring them, I'll take them. But um, at this point, I just think ConvertKit does so much for me. That is
0: awesome. I want to address really quick the fact that I just said that I hate Dubsado. I think Dubsado is a great tool for a lot of people. It hasn't worked for me personally, and I've tried it a lot. And there's some very specific reasons that it doesn't work for me. It's my own personal opinion. I've trained people on Dubsado. If you use it and love it, America, whoever's watching this, great, more power to you. It just hasn't worked for me. And there's some very specific reasons, but also it's like, I'm a tools snob. Like I have tried them all. I love to integrate. I love to connect. And so I'm I'm limited by that with Dubsado. And that's really the only reason. So I just wanted to disclaimer that. I think ConvertKit is awesome, by the way, too. It's not the one that I personally use, but I do think that it's really, really great. Okay, let's talk about what your favorite business book is right now.
1: Atomic Habits has probably been the best book that I have read in the last, I I read a lot of business books and I listen to a lot of business books. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits made the biggest impact.
0: Really? Okay, I have it on my Audible. I'm going to listen to it. I had trouble getting through the first chapters where he's talking about his accident. It kind of grossed me out so much that I had to turn it off, and I never got back into it. But maybe I'll just skip that chapter and dive in because I have heard really good things about that. And I, um, being a book FOMO person myself, where if somebody else has read something, I feel like I need to know it too. I'm I'm definitely going to read it because if Natalie Gingrich has read it, I'm going to. Read it. <laughs> Go, girl. <laughs> I'm empowering myself. Okay, Natalie, where can people find you? Because I know they want to, I, w- I know they want to learn more about you.
1: Awesome. They can go to the That's my website. And then because I am mid-40s, I hang out on Facebook with all my people. <laughs> oh, <woo! laughs> Love it. Great. Are you on LinkedIn also, by the way? I am. I Are, am. You Are you actually, using it? I am. It has been super rich for me in the specific director of operations market. So I'm, I really am loving LinkedIn. Yeah. The LinkedIn is my jam right now. I'm totally down with that. Okay,
0: girl, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for like bringing the real. I really, really appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yes. You too, dear.